Um, and as our kids are making their way to their classes, I just want to say welcome to you. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, my name is Steve. I'm the lead pastor. Uh, so glad that you could be with us this morning. And if you're a guest with us, uh, one, we just want to say thank you so much for being uh, with us this morning and being a guest as we open God's word and see what he has uh, for us today. He is a God who wants to speak. And he's a God who speaks often uh, through his word to his people. And so that's why we open the Bible. Um, and we are, uh, we are in a sermon series in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, so we've been making our way through the book of Matthew. We're going to cover all of it um, uh, over the course of time. Uh, we're going to take some breaks. But uh, right now we're focused in on uh, Jesus' most famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew 5 through 7. Uh, and we're going to be in chapter 7 today. So if you have a Bible, you can start there. Um, otherwise, the words are going to be up on the screen. Uh, Matthew was a disciple of Jesus. He was an eyewitness to Jesus' life. And after Jesus died and rose from the dead, Matthew would write his account. And so this is the life of Jesus uh, through the eyes of one of his disciples and under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing uh, thing. And what we've been seeing in Jesus's sermon, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, is how Jesus talks about how he's a king and there's a kingdom, a kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven has rules. It also has uh, values and it has a culture just like any other kingdom. And so he talks about what is the culture and the values of the kingdom of heaven. And then he also talks to us and says that if we want to be citizens of that kingdom, that there's ways in which we need to adopt the, the principles of the kingdom. And it's not just about external actions, but mostly it's a, it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of our motives. It's a matter of our thoughts and that how we see how God does those things and shows us um, when we fall short, how we can make it right again. And as we look to Jesus, he's going to be the one who lifts our eyes. He's going to be the one who helps us focus on him. That's what we talked about last week about how he's encouraging us to keep our eyes on him. And today we're going to see that Jesus now is going to shift gears a little bit and talk to us about relationships. He's going to talk to us about our connections that we have with other people and the connections that we have with the Lord. And it, it, relationships are so important. In fact, I would even say this, our lives are defined by the quality of our relationships, that our lives are actually defined by the quality of our relationships, our, the quality of our relationship with our Heavenly Father, the quality of relationships that we have with other people. I remember growing up and someone telling me, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but, uh, but that was something that one of my teachers would tell me, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Why? Because the people that we form connection with, the people that we have relationship with, helps shape who we are. We don't have jobs. We don't have God. We don't don't have uh, communities without relationships. And so if they're that important, which we believe that they are, if they're that important, then Jesus, um, we should probably pay attention to him and what he says about relationships. Since he's God and all, we should probably pay attention uh, to what he says about that. And so that's where we're going to be uh, today. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, uh, starting in verse 1. And when we think about um, relationships, first we have to, first and foremost, start with like, where are we at? What is our, what is our posture? What is our motive uh, in life? And so Matthew five, uh, 7, 1 through 5 says this, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you will use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. 
First, take the log out of your own eye. Then you will clearly see to take the speck out of your brother's eye. This is probably the, the beginning of the scripture is probably the most quoted um, amongst Western culture, right? Judge not lest ye be judged, right? That's the only time that we use prop, uh, like old English as a culture. Judge not lest ye be judged. Judge not that you be not judged. Now let's talk about that for a second because judgment, what is judgment? It's about uh, not only declaring a verdict that this is right or wrong, but also the fate of that person. If you put judgment on someone, it's not only did you do this that is wrong, but here is the punishment or here are the consequences, right? So when we dole out judgment, uh, we need to be careful. We need to be really, really careful about that because it says if you judge, you're going to be judged by the strictness by which you judge other people. Now, I think this is multi-layered. One is that um, Jesus is God. And so if he says this, I think we really need to pay attention to this, and we should be sober-minded about this, that if we're going to go around and dole out judgment on people, that when we approach God, he is going to apply those principles to us. I think we need to be really, really careful about how we approach other people or how we talk to other people or what we're doing in those things. But I also believe that this is a principle that shows um, what, what the Bible talks about is sowing and reaping, the idea of planting and harvesting. So if you're going to plant a bunch of seeds of judgment, if you're just going to go around and think it is your obligation to judge everyone, to, to pass judgment on them, the consequences, the verdict on them, and their state forever shall be this, if you're going to be really uh, cavalier about that, if you're really going to go around and think that that's your duty, that when you sin and when you screw up, that the people around you are going to turn that back upon you. I think you will reap that if that's what you sow. Um, I, think, I think there's, there's multiple things there. We can see, like, we don't want to stand before God and say we were harsh uh, in doling out judgment. But I also think we have to understand that if, if that's how we're going to treat people, guess what's going to happen when we fall? And we see this all the time, right? We've already seen this uh, throughout the world that people who are really, really, uh, uh, really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Aggressive. There's a word. We'll use that. We're going to go with aggressive. People who are aggressive in judgment turn around and when they fall, people are very, very aggressive with them. And so we have to ask ourselves, if we're going to step into conflict, if we're going to talk to someone about sin, if we're going to talk to someone about character flaws, we have to ask ourselves, where are we at and why are we doing this? Why would you step into that? There are reasons to step into that, but why would you do it? Because here's the thing, when you, when you show someone, when you talk to someone about sin, like saying, hey, what I see in your life doesn't match up with the things that God has for us. It's actually sinful what you're doing. Um, when, when, when you step into that or you talk to someone about a character flaw, like that's a lot of work. And that's a lot of energy that you're about to expend. So why would you do it? And I got to ask you, like the question I always ask is, what is this about? Is it about restoration or domination? Is this about restoration or domination? Is it about me, I want to step into this because I want to talk to them about their sin because I want them to become all they can be in Jesus and what they're doing right now is actually harming themselves and harming other people? Is it because I want to help them be restored or is it about domination? Do I just want, really want to look better than them? 
Like, you can do that, you know. You can walk around and, and, and cast judgment upon a bunch of people so that you look amazing or at least better than them or at least make yourself feel better than them. Is that why you want to do it? If, if you're about domination, if you're about just wanting leverage on people, then the way that you do that is going to be doled out on you. But if it's about restoration, if it's about helping people become more like Jesus, then, then Jesus says, okay, if it's about that, then we have to address the fact that there's a log in your face, right? He says, why do you, like, you get this picture, there's a log in your eye and a speck of dust in someone else's eye, and you're like sitting there with a big log in your face, and you're like, <laughs> you got some dust in your face, dude, that must be pretty embarrassing, right? But you have this giant log in your face, and he says, if you're going to go around and talk to people about their sin, if you're going to talk to people about uh, character flaws, then the first thing you need to do is examine yourself. We need to examine ourselves and go, what is it in me? Is there any sin in me? Is there any grievous way in me? Is there anything that dishonors my God that is in my life? Or do I have any sin? Do I have any character flaws? And, and when you ask God and you say, search me, oh God, you know, would you point out sin in my life? Just so you know, he's going to answer that prayer. He's going to answer that prayer. And then we have to deal with it. We have to acknowledge it. We have to confess it. We have to repent of it. That's about removing the log from your eye, right? It's about going, God, I understand there's a big wooden plank in my face that is sin. I need to remove that. God, would you remove that from me? Would you take that from me? And I repent. I turn away from that. I don't want that anymore. And why does God have us do that before we go and talk to someone else? Well, because it sufficiently humbles ourselves. It's about humility. And when you understand the grace and mercy of God that God would forgive you of your sin, it's a whole lot better when you go talk to someone else about their sin. To say, you know what? Here's the thing. God's been doing a work in my life. Um, there's some things specifically that he's been working on. You may even talk about the things that God's working on in your life. And you say, you know what? I've, I've talked to God about that. I've asked for his forgiveness and his mercy. And I will tell you this. To receive the mercy and forgiveness of God is incredible. And there's nothing like it knowing that I'm not under condemnation anymore and I'm completely forgiven and I'm made new. And I want that for you. And there's some things that I see in your life that really concern me and trouble me. Things that I see that are harming you and harming other people. Would you like to talk about those things? I would love to, I would love to share with you, but also the, the forgiveness of God. Would you have time to talk with me about those things? Just so you know, that goes a whole lot better than a passive-aggressive social media post. Just unequivocally. There's been research done scientifically. I know, it's breaking news, right? Don't you hate it when sometimes some people do this? You know who you are. Like, that, that doesn't help. Not helpful. That's about dominating and leverage. It's not about restoring anybody. But if we take the plank out of our eyes, if we take the log out of our face before we have the hard conversation, it goes better for us. And it goes better along the way. And it honors God. And, and here's the thing. The thing that honors God is what's also good for us. It's almost like he has our best interest in mind. It's crazy. 
But then Jesus goes on, he says something else, and this is really amazing how he, how he talks about this because this is a sad truth about living in a broken world. Verse six says this, do not give to dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. There is a time there is a place, there is a season to have hard conversations and talk to people and share with them the treasures that are in the scriptures, like pearls, to actually share them with another person. And then there's times to not. That there's actually times, there's actually times when sharing with someone truth, with sharing someone with the treasure of scripture, and even sharing someone with the pearls of your own life, will not be received well. It will actually be trampled on and they'll come and attack you. We have to understand that sometimes, in some places, at some instances, some people don't want to hear what you have to say, even if it is honoring to the Lord. And that sometimes we'll give people what we know that they need and they will not receive it well. And they'll trample on the scriptures, they'll trample on the word of God, and then they'll come after you. And Jesus actually tells us there are times to not give that in order to protect ourselves. And you're like, well, that doesn't sound very Christian. And I'm like, well, Christ says this, so what do we do with that, right? That sometimes, sometimes in places, in certain instances, the, the relational gap needs to be created for a person to be able to understand where exactly and how serious things are. And to say, you know what? I, I am not going to be treated like this. And you know what else is going to happen? I need to distance myself from you. I would love to talk with you about that. But the way that you're acting and the way that you're persisting in your pride and arrogance, I can't be around that. When you're ready to talk, I am ready to listen. I'm also ready to talk. I'm ready to work on this, but it's very obvious to me that you're not. And so until that happens, we can't hang out. Until that happens, we, we can't, there are things that, there's distance between us. And when you're ready, I'm ready. Because sometimes it's a matter of timing. Might not be the best time. Sometimes we bring up, sometimes we bring up sin in like the worst times, right? It's like, hey, I'm headed to a meeting. I'm on the phone right now. I'm in the car, but I've been in Minnesota, so I'm hands-free, right? So, um, right, because we obey the law. Um, and I'm driving, and I got five minutes, and I just want to tell you that your life stinks, and here's some sin in your life. Okay, I got to go, right? Or I know you got 10 minutes, but let me just bring up to you something that's really wrong, and then walk away. That's poor timing. And for some, sometimes it's poor timing and sometimes the person is just hard-hearted. And they're arrogant and they're stiff-necked in that moment. That doesn't mean that they're always going to be stiff-necked. But that means they're stubborn and they're arrogant and they're blinded right now and they're not going to listen to you. And you can't change anyone's heart. You can't. You can't change anybody's heart. I can't change anybody's heart. That's the only thing, that's, that's a work of the Lord. That's a work of the Lord. And so we go, God, would you take care of them in this moment? Would you bring them to the place where they're able to listen? 
and we can entrust them in the care of God. And you're like, I don't know if I want to trust God. Some of us don't want to trust God because a lot of us don't even know what God is like. And so what's interesting is the next verses, it talks to us about what God is like. Verses 7 through 11. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For anyone who asks, receive, and the one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son is asked him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent? If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? The first thing we see about God in this is God is the God that answers. God is the God that answers. I think that's an amazing thing to know, that God answers. And he encourages us in the asking and the seeking and the knocking, knocking, knocking on heaven's door, right? Any GNR fans? Just me? Okay. Um, right? He, he tells us to ask. He tells us to seek. He tells us to knock. Ask him. He, you're not annoying God by asking him. You don't annoy God by coming to him, right? And some of us, were, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of this too, we are so Midwestern in our prayers. So Midwestern, right? God, I'm, I know it's late. Um, sorry about that. Um, well, at least in my time zone. I'm not sure what time zone. You're, but you don't slumber or sleep. Okay, so no, I guess, I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying. Okay, so here's the thing, God. I got this thing, right? Okay, well, let me back it up a little bit. Let me tell you about the situation. And then if you, you know, if you're so kind, are you still, okay, I, I don't want to bug you. Okay, um, right? And we never get to the prayer. He says, ask me. Seek it out. Knock on my door. Have you ever got to that place where you got to, where you're like, I don't know the answer to this question. Or you're like, I don't understand why this is happening. I need to seek it out because I don't get this. It doesn't make sense to me. Or maybe you're at the place where you're like, I just need the heavenly hospitality. I just need to know that God is there. Have you ever asked God, God, I don't, I don't know what to do with this situation. I'm at a loss. I don't know what to do. Or this confuses me. I don't understand it. Would you give me the answer? Or I need to know God, that my prayers aren't just words bouncing off a ceiling that you actually hear me. Would you open the door of hospitality to me and just let me know that you're there? Have you ever had those prayers? I've had all three of those prayers this week. I don't know if you have, but that's, that's definitely something that we need to think about. And he says, listen, he's the God that answers. We can trust, people, trust the lives of other people and our relationships to God because he's the God that answers. He might not answer the way that you want him, but God always answers in the best way at the right time in the way that we need to hear it, always. And if you're like, well, I haven't got an answer yet, then we need to do something that all of us need to learn how to do, and that is simmer. Can we just simmer, like calm down, rest, trust? Can you just simmer? Like we think that everything is an emergency and has to be answered right away, and God's like, I know more than you, simmer. You're at an eight, we're gonna need you at a two, right? Like, calm down. Can you rest in him? Can you trust him? Because he will answer. He will answer what you need in the way that you need it at the time that you need it. Let's trust him in the waiting because he's the God that answers. And he's the giver of good gifts, 
He's the giver of good gifts. He says, which one of you, if you have a son, ask for bread, do you give him a stone? Or if we ask for fish, do you give him a serpent? He says, if you guys who are evil, if you have evil in your hearts, if you're sinful, which is all of us in this room, if we understand that you don't do this, right? If a kid comes up to you and he's like, can I have some bread? You're like, yeah, sure. And you pull out a rock and he chips his teeth. You're like, shouldn't have trusted me, right? Or if he's like, I want fish and you give him poison to serpents. Like, we don't do that, right? We have laws against that. Unequivocally, we all say, that's a bad idea, right? And if we who are sinful understand that you don't do that, how much more the God in heaven who is pure, right, holy, and just? He won't give you a bad gift. God won't give you a bad gift. It might not be what you're expecting, but he won't give you a bad gift. And so as we look at that, as we think about that, as we go, God, I'm giving my life and I'm also entrusting all my relationships, know that you're trusting them to the God who answers and the God who gives good gifts. That's a good place to put your trust. That's a good place because that's what God is like. And so if we're like, okay, if I know I'm supposed to humble myself and, and, and approach situations in a way of humility and grace and truth, and I understand that some people won't, um, some people aren't ready to hear that, but you know what? Um, I'm going to entrust them to God because I know that God is the giver of good gifts and that God is the God that answers. And all of that, well, then, then the question is this, how then shall we live? How do we live in light of that? How do we live in light of knowing what God is like and what we are supposed to do? Matthew 7, 12 says, So whatever you wish the others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. This scripture has a name. You know what the name is? Anybody? The golden rule. Yes, right, right? The golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I'm like, I don't unto anything, Right? It's a really good principle. It's a really good, it's a really good rule of thumb. Why? Because Jesus said it. And that's a good idea. And he says, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. How do you want to be treated? When someone points out your sin, how would you hope that it was would it be about restoration or about leverage and domination? If someone's going to talk to you about something, what do you hope? Do you hope that they treat you with dignity and respect? then go and do that to other people. And maybe you're a guest here today, or maybe you've been here for a long time, and you're like, oh, I thought we were going to get something deep, right? This is like Sunday school stuff. Like, I thought we were like, where's like, the, where's like the really good, deep stuff? Like, what does this mean in the Greek? Like, let's, let's talk about like the deep things. And I would say, hey, if you think this is shallow, let me ask you this. How's this working for you? How's this going for you? Treating people the way that you want to be treated. How's that going? Because if you are applying this to your life, it suddenly gets really deep. Right? If you're like, oh, I got this. I'm good. I got these things memorized. I know that verse. Remember this verse when you leave here today and someone cuts you off in traffic. Right? Remember this today when you pick up the argument that you were having before church that you came here and said, we're not going to talk, we're going to talk about this later. That talk, apply that to your life now, right? 
Let's see what happens in our own lives. Let's see what happens in our church if we actually treated people the way that we want to be treated. My goodness, what would we be as a church? Where would we be as a society if someone actually treated me the way that they said, I, want to, I would want to be treated like this. I know that if someone saw something in my life, I would want them to tell me. I know that they, I would want them to do it in a way that's respectful and kind and even somewhat sometimes in private. By the way, conflict resolution happens all the time at Ignite. There's hundreds of tough conversations going on right now as a church. And you're like, well, I'm not hearing about them. And I'm like, that's exactly the point. It's not about you knowing about how many hard conversations are happening in our church. Focus on the ones that you're involved in. And to go, if we're going to treat people the way that we want to be treated, then we're going to have a thousand small conversations hoping that it never becomes a big conversation because it's about restoration. Because God is the God who restores. That's what God does. That's who God is. He's the God who restores. He makes all things new. When we become followers of Jesus, he makes us new creations. He removes condemnation. We become restored, and then we become agents of restoration to the world. And maybe, just maybe, the way that you handle a hard conversation and a difficult relationship, that might just be the greatest act of evangelism you ever do. That might, when we think about evangelism, we're thinking about standing on a street corner with placards. What if you treated somebody different and followed what Jesus would say and have someone else go, wow, I can't believe you handled that situation that way. How did you do it? And to be able to tell them about Jesus, the God who restores. And when things get pointed out in our own lives, and when we fail at this, because we will, when we fail, let us be a people who are quick to confess our failure, repent of it, turn away from it, seek reconciliation from that person, and from God and say, God, I've sinned against, against you? And would you lead me forward? Let's be a people who are about restoration. And let's see more people come to Jesus because of it.